Church, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, at the end of this uh, message today, we're going to take communion. And so if you have to get up and get a little bit of juice and a little piece of bread, that would be great. I want to talk about the synergy of team. Uh, We're learning lessons about rebuilding. And after the chaos of these last many months, the pressures that come with shutdowns and, and, and the isolation that keeps us apart from, for extended periods of time and, and the loss of everything from loved ones to civility. As a community, as a local church body, we are rebuilding relationships. We are refocusing on our mission. We are restarting life. And we've been learning from the example of the bartender to the king of Persia, whose name is Nehemiah, and he comes back to Jerusalem, and he is going to rebuild the wall and the gates of that city so that that city, the capital of God, would be secure. Nehemiah has given us two very helpful quotes that we have lifted and have adopted as our own over these last couple of weeks. The first one was, the gracious hand of God is on me. This task, this assignment that I've been given, Nehemiah says, I am protected by, I'm provided for, I'm overseen by the open hand of God that rests on my life. And I will be able to go forward and do what he's asked. Then last week we talked about the second phrase from chapter 2 as well. The God of heaven will help us succeed. We'll get started with great excitement, but it won't be easy. We don't have the tools. We don't have the expertise. We don't have the supplies that we need. But he will make sure that these walls go up. He will make sure that we are successful. And the God of heaven will help us in every aspect of it all. It's a guarantee. He has promised, and God is not a liar. He does what he says he will do. A a casual reading, now that we come to chapter 3, a a casual reading of that chapter, it it doesn't look that exciting. It it doesn't seem that that big a deal for us to to spend much time. It's it's a list of names and, and people groups who are assigned to various stretches of the wall to rebuild it. We don't know the names. We're not familiar with the people. And and they're kind of hard to pronounce. And so we usually just skip over that. And, And the section of the wall, it's unfamiliar to us. And so we tend to pass over those as well. But hidden in the chapter are some very interesting and telling bits of information that I I don't want you to miss. Um, I'm I'm a person who believes in miraculous signs and wonders. I, I love it when God shows up and does something above and beyond anything that I had imagined. I believe that he's the same God today as he was in the Bible and that he will be that way for all time and eternity. Um, I I expect to live in a constant state of jaw-dropping, miraculous supply and protection. So so it's a bit of a surprise to see that this partnership that we have with God, God being our partner, uh, that that it's not just all God. It's us as well. We, 
We have to show up. We have to do the regular and the routine to get to the desired end. And chapter 3 tells us that routine part of the story. The wall of, of Jerusalem is not just going to miraculously arise out of the dust. People groups come together and they are assigned certain sections of the wall to both clean up the rubble and to start rebuilding the walls. And, and there are some wonderful ironies hidden in some of these components of the story. For instance, the first people that are mentioned is the high priest and all the other priests, and they are given the section uh, to rebuild by the sheep gate. The, the shepherds of the flock, you start at the sheep gate. A little bit of an irony there. Uh, people had come from 43 miles or 43 miles away from uh, the town of Jericho. They'd come up to Jerusalem to get assigned a, a portion of the wall to reconstruct. The list is full of people groups, these, these large families. Some are members of a guild or, or, or neighbors who are told, here is the section you're responsible for. Get started, get building. Verse 8 tells us that one man uh, shows up and he's, he's not a bricks and mortar man at all. He, he's a goldsmith by trade. But he worked on the wall and just down the line from him there was a, another man who was the manufacturer of, of perfumes. And, and he showed up. He's not a builder, but he put his strength, his time, his energy to building what was in front of him. Verse 8 strikes a, a victorious note for, for women in that one man who was in charge of managing the district or ward of, of, of a, the city of Jerusalem showed up with his daughters. And, and they were given the next section of the wall. It's, it's equal responsibility for everyone. It's equal pay. And, and they're all getting paid the very same, men and women. They're getting paid nothing. Uh, there are some interesting details given that, that make you realize that the project was not without its moments, its, its frustrations. So teams are assigned to a specific location and you're responsible to rebuild from this marker to that marker. Then over several locations, there are a construction manager who, who inspects the work, who helps you, who says, listen, that, that needs to be redone or, or, or that's not quite right. And, and he's making sure that it's all done correctly so that there are no weaknesses, there are no gaps in the wall. We're told that at one section of the wall, the people from a small town called Tekoa we're working, and the frustration with that part of the project was that their leaders, and it says, refused. They refused to, to work with the construction supervisor. We know what we're doing, these men are saying. We, we, we Leave us alone. Don't tell us what to do or how to do it. We know. We know what we're doing. Working with people, even in teams, can have its frustrations. I love that Nehemiah includes these little, these little tidbits of information in the memoir because it reminds me that as an individual, I am being watched by God. There, there is a record of what I do and how I do it. The attitude that I carry, the, the, the level of cooperation is being remembered. 
Here, here are a group of people that we, we don't really know, but 2,465 years later, we can read that the men from Tekoa refused to work with the supervisors that, and made the, the, a difficult situation even more complex, even more complicated. Ver, verse 20 tells of one individual, his name is Baruch, who with great zeal, great enthusiasm, built his part of the wall. Somebody just wanted to say, listen, Baruch, you've been such a, a, a stand-up guy. You've come with a great attitude. You've, done, you've, you've worked so hard and you've done so well. Uh, he, he will be remembered, and, and we will be remembered for the work that we do and the way that we do our work. And, and we need to remember that. There were times where families who lived near the wall were given sections that were situated across the street from their front door. And, and they were able to just roll out of bed in the morning and boom, they're right at work. And they were able to stay there right until the last ray of light has faded from the sky. But, but the thing that's important there is that daily they're reminded that my work is important because if, if this part of the wall is weak and if, if the enemy breaks through, he's going to be in my living room. And, and so I want to do my best work. I want to do my best, my best job here. It's a very telling chapter. It, it tells that there's a plan. It, it tells that there was structure. Nehemiah had captains and, and supervisors over large portions of the wall. And then there were smaller groups of people who were responsible for relatively small parts of the job. It tells us that everyone, just like here in our house, in our church, everyone is needed. doesn't matter who you are, what talents, what, what, what expertise you bring, you're needed. You're, you're part of this family. Uh, it, it tells us that um, there is no exemption because this isn't my area of expertise. Uh, th- this is the city of God and and we all learn together and, and you grow, you develop the skills required so that you can get the job accomplished. There was accountability. Construction started at sunrise. You, you showed up at sunrise, not, a, not an hour later or whenever it was convenient. You, you came, the job had to get done, you pull your share. Um, it, it carried on until dark. You had to show up. We're in this together. There's there's this synergy that comes from working together. I'm told that that, uh, a single draft horse hooked up to a load can pull 8,000 pounds of freight by himself. 8,000 pounds. That's a lot of weight. But when you take another horse, another draft horse, and you you yoke them together, their synergy comes from the effort that doesn't just allow them to pull 16,000 pounds, but together they can pull 24,000 pounds. God gives Nehemiah the ability to pull together teams and bring a synergy that goes beyond normal and becomes supernatural in its ability to do an impossible task. Men, women, young, old, 
craftsmen, builders, those who have none of those skills, standing side by side, encouraging one another, working side by side, get this thing done. The, the, the scriptures talk about synergy. If, if one warrior can take and put a thousand enemy troops to, to flight, then two warriors working side by side can put not 2,000, but 10,000 to flight. Unity of purpose, unity of heart, working together as team always makes a difference. So, so it shouldn't surprise us that, that chapter 4, with this, this synergy that's going on in chapter 3, and the wall is coming up out of the ground and being developed, it shouldn't surprise us that two kinds of difficulties all of a sudden rear their ugly head as the project continues. The first is that the three enemies of Nehemiah show up. And it says when they show up, they flew into a rage. When they saw that the Jews had not taken their threats seriously, that they had continued to do what these critics had told them not to do, they were irate. Sanballat decided to attempt to discourage the, the builders. So he hurls mocking insults at the people. Do you poor, feeble Jews think you can do this job? You think that by offering sacrifices to your God that you can build this wall in a day? Do you think that you can take this char-marked rubble and, and somehow turn this garbage into a wall? You, you really are a pathetic lot. It's not going to happen. And, and he carries on like that. And then Tobiah, he jumps in and he says, nothing about this wall gives any sense of confidence to me. It, it leans, it wobbles in, in such a way that if a 28-pound fox were to, to walk across the top of it, that wall would collapse. It, it certainly won't keep out invading armies. There's a method in their mockery. They're, they're doing it on purpose. They're, they are attacking the confidence of the teams. They're trying to break up the synergy of, of these teams that are working together so that the, pro, the project would stop, the project would fail. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to fail. You will have expended all of your time, all of your energy, all of your resources, and nothing will change. You will still be vulnerable. It will be a disaster. You, you would be better off to return home and just remember that you don't matter. You are incompetent and really doomed for disaster and disappointment. And the rest of your lives are just going to be lived out as miserable, returned exiles living in rubble. It's the same strategy that your enemy, my enemy uses today. Don't get up. Don't, don't be a part of the church family today. You're tired. You deserve a break today. It's not worthwhile investing yourself in that situation. Things are going to get worse and worse on the world stage and, and they can't really stop it by singing a song or praying a prayer and, and working together. Just, just take it easy. J just catch up on, 
on the binge watching of the Netflix series that you saw the other day. Don't put your strength together with them. It won't make any difference anyway. The the enemy showed up at a strategic time. It, It was a wall coming together, and the wall at that point had been completed about half half its height around the entire city. Verse 6 says that this had happened because the people had worked with enthusiasm. And and there's got to be a a break applied to that enthusiasm. These enemies showed up and they worked hard to to discourage, to, to disappoint those that were working hard, long hours, and and. To say, listen, you're, you're making a mess of it. Just stop, stop now. The enemies of Israel saw that the gaps were being repaired and that the work was being done and that if they didn't do something soon, that, that this misguided group of, of zealots were going to have a wall that worked and it was going to be built and they were going to be a strong city. So they showed up to ensure that the wall didn't go to the full 39 feet that it was supposed to. That it stopped at 18.5. And not an inch higher. Listen carefully to some of the notes that are given in in chapter 4. We read in verse 8 that the enemies of Israel were furious and they made all kinds of plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw them into confusion. The enemies knew that the power in keeping this project from completion was breaking up synergy, destroying the unity, throwing the team into confusion, throwing the team into doubt. It, it was a strategy. strategy <laughs> it was a strategy that uh, was known to work way back then. It's a strategy that's known to work today. If you break the household up. If, if you break the unity, they can't stand. Verse 9, the leader, Nehemiah, knows what's going on outside the walls, knows what, what the enemies of God are saying, and so he calls for a prayer meeting. They were making plans to come and fight with us and throw us into confusion, and so we prayed to our God and asked for his help, and then... We did what we knew what to do. We, we guarded the city both day and night. It, it, it's a stressful time. More responsibility, more stress is added. Not only do we work from sunrise to sunset, but now we're going to have to take turns and, and, and get shifts of, of watching, of, of guarding, of, of overseeing what's going on. Just when you thought you had no more to give, Here we are asking for more of you. We're asking that you pour in resource that you don't even think you have. It's what is needed in this season. Extra effort. Come help us. Come give more. I bet you can't even imagine what happened next. Verse 10 says that all of this that's going on outside, all of the threats, all of the mockery on the outside seeps into the walls and starts to affect the morale of the people inside. Verse 10 says that the people of Judah began to complain. And they have every right to. They're they're tired. 
they're doing all that they know how to do. And here's the report that the managers and the supervisors bring from the, the teams to Nehemiah. The workers are so tired. They're getting to the place of exhaustion. There, there's so much rubble to be moved. We'll never be able to build the walls by ourselves. This is an impossible task. If you can get a team to stop seeing their progress, if, if you can break up their unity, if you can get them to stop focusing on the project and get them talking about not what they are doing, but what they can't do, if you can get them to start complaining to one another and turning the impossibility of this project into a wall that divides them rather than a wall that protects them, you've succeeded. And, and these men on the outside have gotten into the heads of those that are in the inside and they're causing chaos. That's what will happen. They, they went from workers who were doing amazing things with great enthusiasm to complaining and saying, we'll, we'll never get this done. It, it's an impossible task. To that discouragement, the enemies on the outside add fear. They, they leaked word of their plan. While you were working, out of nowhere, we will swoop in on you and we will kill you and end all your work. And, and this fear was like a disease. It infected everyone on the inside of the wall. The Jews said to Nehemiah, the enemy will come from all directions and they will attack us. They will kill us. <laughs> this thing was a crazy idea. I don't know what we were thinking. We'd better quit while we're, before we're all dead. And in the turmoil of, of that moment, Nehemiah doesn't back down. He gives leadership. He stands up and he reminds himself over and over again first that the gracious hand of God is on my life. He has said, we'll get this done. We will get it done. He, he reminds himself that the God of heaven will help us succeed. We cannot, we will not quit now. So, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall and in the exposed areas, he says. I stationed the people to stand guard behind the, by, behind the families and, and, and I armed them with swords and spears and bows. And I instructed the people, keep building, don't stop, stick together, keep focused. The God of heaven will help us succeed. Today, we're going to come to the table of communion. We're coming to celebrate our unity as believers in God. We're going to gather at the family table and we're going to celebrate the God that loved us so much that he sent his only son to pay the punishment, pay the price for our, our punishment and make us bring us in from being outside and being enemies to being sons and daughters of God. We're going to celebrate the victory of Jesus who, because of all that he has done, makes everything possible for you, for me, for us together. And uh, we're, we celebrate the Holy Spirit who has not only made Jesus real to us, but has brought us into, into family. 
leads us in such a way that we're able to do the very works of God together. We celebrate that not only have we been transitioned out of our sin, out of being enemies of, of God to being the children of God, but that we are the family and that under his direction, nothing is impossible to the church of Jesus Christ. That together, everyone is vital. Everyone is important. Everyone brings unique gifts, brings unique abilities to the rebuilding that, that we are called to do. That we are committed to being unified in heart, mind and purpose. That great things can come out of our love for God, out of our love for one another, out of our commitment to His great commission. We recognize that because we're people, there will be difficult moments of disagreement. There will be moments of difficulty. But we're committed to Jesus, and so we'll work our way through each one of those difficulties. We recognize that fear and, and doubt are enemies that can't be given room to grow and develop. So again, we come together, even under the most difficult of circumstances, so we can rebuild. We recommit ourselves to Jesus and to one another to rebuild in this important season for the church. We will not allow our enemy to destroy the mission. We will not allow the enemy to destroy our unity. We will not allow the enemy to steal our enthusiasm for building his kingdom. Jesus taught us to pray, kingdom of God, come will of God be done here in me and around me, even as it is in heaven. So this morning for communion, we celebrate the work of Jesus, but we celebrate that we are part of his team, that we're one in purpose. Jesus gathered his disciples around the, the table that night and he broke bread and he said, I'm going to give my body as a sacrifice for you. And, and it's going to change everything. It, it, it's going to cement our relationship together. And it's going to build my church. And so, will you take the bread? And with thanksgiving, will you give thanks? Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for loving me and for inviting me to be a part of your church, of your, of your mission, of of the life that you have, the purpose and the plan you have for this generation. I thank you that you've brought me to the kingdom for such a time as this. I accept your gift and I am reminded of my, my dedication, my love for your church, my call to help rebuild all that you're wanting to do in this day. With thanksgiving, Father, I take this, this emblem of your broken body. was at the end of the supper that Jesus took the cup and he said this cup is the representation of my blood that will be shed for you without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness no remission of sin and so it's a it's a vital part it's a vital component of who we are and what we're doing and so let's take with thanksgiving this 
this wonderful component of faith that brings us into relationship. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much, that you saw potential, that you saw promise in, in us, broken people, and you invited us to be partners with you. Father, we take this. Thank you, Father. Father, we commit ourselves to your plan, to your purpose. We're in your hands. We are your people. We dedicate ourselves to rebuilding in Jesus' name.